and welcome to a very special uh, Raw podcast at the Sunland Echo. Um, this is our Christmas party. Obviously, we're all um, sadly still in uh, either lockdown or terms getting out and about at the minute as we run up to uh, Christmas. So we thought we'd do things a little bit differently this month and um, do a bit of a Zoom Christmas party special uh, with myself, Richard Manier, uh, Phil Smith and Mark Donnelly from the Sunland Echo. We've also got Sunland legends Gary Bennett and Stephen Elliott and we've also got a number of Sunderland fans joining us as well, which is which is great for the next hour or so. Um, so we'll have a plenty of Sunderland chat about the events of the last few days. Obviously, another dramatic day on Weir side, and we'll also have a bit of a bit of a Q and A as well with our panel and um, throw any questions at the guys, and uh, we'll just have a bit of festive chat and banter as well over the next hour or so. So thank you all for joining. Uh, you're all very welcome. Um, so as I say, yeah, we'll just introduce some of the some of the Sunderland fans that are on the call. Um, I'll start with you guys, uh, Dean and Liam, if you just want to introduce yourselves and where you're from. Um, well, well, I'm Liam and I'm from Tamworth and I'm a season ticket holder in Sunderland. I'm Dean, the dad. Uh, we've lived, I've lived in Tamworth about 18 years, but we're both season ticket holders. And obviously we're trying to get a lot of matches, but at the moment we can't, can we, so... He's born in Burton and he's always supported some. His first game was beating Newcastle 2 1 with a Barini goal, wasn't it, mate? Yeah. Ah, was it? Barini! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, George and Paul, you guys are in Cheshire, big Sunderland fans? Yeah, so um, I'm called George, I'm nine years old, and I live in Cheshire, and I'm a massive Sunderland fan, and I love the 73 squad. Yeah, I'm Dad, I live in Cheshire as well, 15 years, born and bred in Sunderland. Lived in Southwick Road, Dabwood's a minor at Wearmouth Colliery. So I've got uh, fond memories of the Colliery and uh, the stadium alike. So uh, yeah, it's great to be here tonight, lads. Good stuff. And uh, Carl as well? Yeah, I'm Carl Macker. I'm, I'm from Stanley. I'm a Sunderland and Hibernian fan. And I've got a home season ticket for both Sunderland and Hibs. And I attend the away games as well. Excellent, good stuff. Um, there might be another fan that joins us as well. Um, he's in Taiwan, so there's a slight time difference, um, but we shall see. He did. Uh, he did promise me he'd get to the game, so he should be used to it. But um, but we'll see. Um, Nick Barnes was going to join us, but sadly he's been delayed due to the events of the last um, 24, 48 hours or so. So well, we might as well kick off with that. Obviously, Phil Parkinson sacked on Sunday afternoon, um, yeah. following the one-all draw away at Fleetwood, which obviously saw someone drop out of the playoff positions and. Obviously been on a five-game winless run in all competitions and it hasn't been the best of football or form of uh, recent weeks, I'm sure we'll all agree. Um, Phil, I'll probably just come to you first, just to kind of kick off. What, what did you make of the decision and um, moving forward, um, how sort of kind of quickly do you think fans can expect a, an appointment? I think it was, um, it was another frustrating game on Friday night, wasn't it? I'm sure everyone watching kind of felt the same thing at home. We'd been through a game at Doncaster a week before where Sunderland had played really well in the first half, but you know hadn't created a huge amount with the with all the play that they'd had. And then in the second half, you know Doncaster came back into it, and Sunderland didn't really have a response. And we saw pretty much the same thing at Fleetwood, where I thought they played quite well in the first half and create a lot. And then Fleetwood responded as you would expect them to, in, in the second half, and Sunderland didn't really have a response for it. And I think you know we're sort of 13 games into the season, and I think the thing was that a year on didn't really feel like we'd progressed much, you know, some of them were still in their opportunities to get in the top two, you know, they weren't killing teams off, um, and that ultimately was what, you know, the manager was brought to the club to do, you know, when Jack Ross was sacked, he was in a very similar position, so um, I don't think it was 
it wasn't a huge surprise in the sense that, you know, I think there's been some real concerns about the team in recent weeks, but obviously we're all waiting for the, you know, see what happens with the takeover. And I guess that's going to define, you know, who the next manager is and, and what comes next. Sleeves, what was your what was your take on the decision to sack Phil Parkinson? Um, yeah, the game on Friday night. It was it was kind of the what we got used to seeing from Sunderland over the last few weeks, and I wasn't I wasn't majorly surprised. There was a, there was a few rumours around that the manager might not might not have had long left in his job. But when I when I got the news on when I heard the news on Sunday afternoon, like Phil said, there it wasn't a major surprise. I'm just hoping. Now that this this next appointment, whoever that whoever kind of makes the appointment, make sure it's it's the right appointment and somebody that they've taught out and somebody that can get a proper reaction out of the club. Because I think no disrespect to to Jack Ross and Phil Parkinson over the last last few years, since there's been sporadic times where the team have been doing okay during their their tenure. But I think in general, I think in this division, Sunderland's got to be pushing right at the top of the table like regularly and I think where where they have been in time it hasn't been good enough and that needs to be looked at and this new man coming in is, is a huge appointment for me because it has to change quickly because Sunderland Football Club's too big to be kind of lingering about in this level for, for longer than more for a while even for this amount of time but hopefully this new guy whoever it may be can change that. For those that listen to the podcast, Sleeves is wearing a very snazzy Christmas jumper, and he's even he's even done his background as well in there. Very festive. Yes, he's been that, that's wallpapering. Okay. That's okay, just to do as well. Yeah. But is any names in the frame from the media at the moment? Then, or any rumours or anything going on? Yeah, good question, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that um, I think the interesting question probably is I think what we're still trying to piece together really is is kind of who's actually making the appointment because you know we're obviously waiting to see when this takeover is going to happen and you would imagine that if there's going to be a new investor or a new owner, if I was in their shoes, I'd want a pretty big say in who the next manager is going to be at the football club. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see where we go. I mean, you know, the names that are kind of out there at the moment is obviously Danny Cowley who did a very very good job at Lincoln and won back to back promotions went to Huddersfield and um, I think did quite a good job there. He kept them up, which, you know, that I think is quite a good achievement. Actually, we all remember how much Sunderland struggled in the Championship when they came out of the Premier League. Um, so he's one of the names and the obvious one, which I'm sure, you know, the you fans will have a lot of opinions on, is obviously is Gus Poirier, who recently said he'd consider a return to the club. Um, he's done very well at this level before with Brighton. Um, yeah, should you ever go back? I, I don't know. Um, so those are the two kind of interesting names at the moment, but I think it's still quite early on. I, I think there'll be a few more few more coming in the frame in the next few days as well. Yeah. George and Paul, who, who would you like to see take charge? So, George. Um, well, I think we should maybe try and take or get um, Ken Phillips to take charge. Because um, he was a fabulous Southern player winning the European Golden Boot, the only ever Englishman to win it. And I think he'll do a good job as a manager, maybe hopefully get us promoted from League One and hopefully the championship. Hey, do you want a job at the Echo, George? <laughs> I'm, 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 I was thinking the new manager for Sunderland, as far as I'm concerned, forget the Echo, the job. And um, I, I, did, I did like Phil Parkinson, but... Um, obviously, the back end of the 1920 season, he did do a good job, but then he just fell out of form and we're, we're where we are today. Yeah. Um, 
Carl, um, Dean and Liam, I'll come to you in just a second, but um, just want to bring Gary Bennett in there. Uh, Bennett, what, what was your take on the last few days and how the results in football has been the last couple of weeks and right decision and, or not? And who do you think they should go for next? Well, again, it's no surprise. Um, I think it's something which the supporters have been, shall we say, crying for, especially coming on to um, Total Sport. Um, there was a lot of unrest, um, especially, obviously, about the results, but also about the way we were playing, the way we set up. Um, and it got to the point where, you know, again, it's, it'll be interesting to see who actually, shall we say, pull the trigger, you know, um, who actually made the call to maybe, you know, especially when you're a manager in that position, you usually pull to one side and it's usually whispered in your ear, you've got three games to turn it round. Now, Fleetwood most probably have been the game where he didn't get a result. He knew that he needed to get a result at Fleetwood. It didn't happen. So I don't think it was a surprise to Phil Parkinson. I think he would have been given a three-game or four-game, whatever it was, to get results, and it never happened. Now, um, you know, the rumours are about who we want as manager. I know Gus Poyet's name's being obviously mentioned. Yeah. The thing is, we sacked him. We sacked yeah. Gus Poyet for not doing well. So what, <laughs> what the difference is going to be by bringing him back? Yeah. You know, so I can't, I can't understand. Again, it might happen. But for me, to bring Gus Poyet back, why? You know, and you know, I think the other major problem we've got as well. And, and I think, on BBC sorry, Radio. I can't wait for his first interview on BBC Radio Newcastle next week with you, Benno, when he's appointed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no pressure, Benno. But no, no, there's no pressure. But okay, <laughs> he comes back as manager. Is he going to be any better than the last time he was here? Because again, you've got to remember the last time he was here, there were supporters crying out for him to be sacked. Yeah. So what's the difference going to be now since the last time he was here to now? What's changed? Is he a better manager? Is he a better manager? Well, well he's, been, he's been abroad, hasn't he? And he's learned a lot of things, hasn't he? Oh, right. I've been now, abroad. No, what I'm saying is, like, if you watched the interview a couple of weeks ago, I think he's learned a right. lot of lessons. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, uh, for me, for me, I think one of the biggest problems for me is okay. We can talk about what manager or whoever is going to come in. I think there's a lot of work for whoever comes in because straight away, you know, who's head? Who's the head scout? Who's head of recruitment? Who's the manager of the academy? Do you know? You know, we've got we've got a lot of positions which we need to fill. We've got a lot of work off the field, behind the scenes to sort out. We're going to be in the same problem again, same position again. You know, you've got to look at the running of the football club as well. You've got to make sure, we've got to make sure that we lay the foundations. The thing is, Gary, do, do, yeah. you, not, do you not think that hoping the new owner will come in and um, maybe have his own sort of ideas and that's maybe one of the reasons why Parkinson has, has sort of gone? Um, I mean, ultimately, I know it's a totally different subject, but I, in my opinion, I feel like Jack, Jack Ross was sacked for less. Um, I, and I mean, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Gary. I think that the, the time had come for Parkinson, really. Yeah. Um, I feel like he'd lost, he'd lost the fan base. And in my opinion, not just listening to the games, but it, you know, you're listening to his interviews with Nick and that. And I feel really sorry for Nick because 
he's asking Parkinson questions and Parkinson's just coming back saying the same things over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And, and that to me, listening to it just doesn't motivate me. So I don't know how on earth he managed to motivate the team. And obviously he didn't. That's why he's gone. And I, I, know, I, I think it was a wrong appointment at the start anyway, yeah. for my opinion. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think, again, from my point of view, um, you know, how I see it, I think maybe, you know, okay, you, you've got a, a chief exec, you might have the owners. I think they need to get a, a sort of um, a committee together who understands what the football club's about. Now, that might be former players, it might be supporters, whatever it is. Get them down, sit them around the table and ask the question, what actually is wrong with the football club or what would you like to see? Now, we've been talking about one thing which Sunderland have been lacking for season after season after season is pace. Okay? So, you know, for me, I think they should have some form of format um, where what type of player are we actually going to go for? Yeah. You know, are we going to go for players who are over 30, coming to the back end of their career? Are we going to try to develop the young players? Are we going to go for players who's got pace? You know, we, we should have, we should have so, some sort of format what we're actually going to go for. We need, I think what we need is um, an out-and-out striker that'll score us 20 goals to get us out of League One. Because overall, our squad's excellent, mm-hmm. except strikers. Um, Charlie Wyke has been doing a good job. Chris Maguire, he's not a striker. He's more of an attacking midfielder. We can't rely on him. We need an out-and-out striker. And I think a striker that isn't young, but that isn't dead old. Uh, you know, a striker that's quite right. experienced. Because there's no point getting a 20-year-old yep. that have any experience playing football. We want 20 goals a season from one player, don't we? Yeah, we want 20 <laughs> goals a season from one player. <laughs> but, then, but then again... If you, if you look at the strikers we've got, we're supposed to have the best strikers in the league, aren't we? Yeah, well, Greg, we spent four million on him. You know, yeah, you're right. And we're supposed to have... I mean, you look at the forward line there. Now, we're getting the ball to them as well, and they're not performing. They're not scoring. Now, to me, in my eyes, if you look at the rest of the league, they've got the quality to do it, but not performing. Now, is that the manager? Or is that them... Them as well. I mean, if, if you, Gary, if you, if you look at Charlie Wyke um, and Danny Graham, I think they started on Friday, if my memory serves, right? Yeah. And then you look at, and look at Will Grigg on the bench. Now, if you were an opposition defender for the, for a, like the other team that we we're playing against, would they scare you? Would, you know, do they scare? I just don't think they scare defenders enough. No. They just, it's just like, it's just, it's just like a chore. They're just sort of going through the motions, you know, and, and it just feels like, they should be doing a lot better, you know. Can I just bring uh, sleeves in? You know a thing or two about yeah. scoring. Yeah, no, I, just, I think I think going back to what the lads are speaking about, what the club requires right now, it's it's obvious that there's there's something not right at the football club. Like how many managers, how many different managers has there been over the last? Well, since Roy since Roy Keane yeah. has gone, there's been manager after manager, obviously gone through bad spells, lost their job new manager gets appointed. There has to be a stage, a bit like Benno, where, where the club sits down, whoever's making the... And that's another yeah. important thing, I think, whoever makes these decisions sits down and decides what direction the club are going, what type of... Like, I, I, I'll give an example of Eddie Howe at Bournemouth when he kind of 
got them up through the leagues. He had a system, a way of playing. He had a, had a recruitment policy there, and he knew a specific player of what he wanted. Whereas if you look at Sunderland over the past few seasons, it's just kind of, there's been no plan in place. It's like, yeah, we grab him. It's like Danny Graham, yeah, we take him. He, another one, a bit like Gus Pye, he was at the club first time around, didn't quite work out. Who, why did we think it would work out again? I know people would say, yeah, it was, it was a, it's a different league. But at the same time, it's still Sunderland Football Club. You still have to kind of rise to the, to the pressure and, and the... I don't know the, the feeling of playing for the club. It doesn't matter what league you're kind of in. But I just think the club as a whole needs to have a direction of where it's going, yeah. the policy in place of recruitment, whether that's bringing on the young lads. For example, the young lads over the last few years, they've, they've sold so many young lads before, yeah. they've even, before they're even now on nappies. And it's like, well, there, there goes the kind of backbone of that kind of creating players, creating players with the Sunderland kind of efforts in them, like right from the start. And, and there's just nothing there at the minute. You're, you're, you're dragging players in from left, right and centre and trying to push them all together. Like Phil Parkinson's brought a few players in and let's be honest, the style of football he's playing, it was, I thought was pretty, pretty poor to be nice. Like, yeah. that's, being, that's being nice. It wasn't, you never watch, watching the game thinking, you know, this is, this is a, this is a good performance. I find myself frustrated watching the games, this, especially mm. this season. You're watching it and you, I like, I enjoy going to the matches and watching them, but I found myself really frustrated watching them because I didn't quite understand what, what the process was to try and win a game. And I think that's something that needs to be looked at. And it's very important in the next, and who do you appoint, whether that's, they need to appoint a new manager, obviously, but like, like Benno says, there needs to be somebody there, head of recruitment, somebody that actually really wants to go and work hard, go and scour yeah. divisions, go and look at teams, lower leagues, go and look all over the place, work hard for a living and try and yeah. get this football going back in the right direction. Because at the minute, it's just, it's just kind of drips and drabs of different style players and asking a manager to come in and get them all kind of... Yeah gelling together it's a big ask so I don't know I don't know what the answer is but something has to be done that hasn't been done previously because everything that has been done in the past three four five six years since even towards the back ends in the Premier League it hasn't hasn't been successful so there has to be a reason for that and maybe we need to kind of go back to bases and kind of just look throughout the whole football club and get something in place where we say right this is Sunderland's way of doing things because at the moment this seems a mile off that but yeah, and, I, and I, can I just follow on what um, Sleeves has just said there in regards of obviously the club? And that's what I was talking about. You know, I think, you know, there should be maybe a subcommittee. When, um, and when I talk about a subcommittee, like Sleeves just said, he, he's identified bits and pieces what's wrong with the football club. And we haven't got, you know, if you ask, what's our template for a player? We should have a template. We should be saying, right, this is the type of player we're going for. Somebody's between maybe 18, 19 to 22, 23. Somebody who's got pace. Somebody who's mobile. Somebody who's creative. Somebody who can stretch teams. Somebody who's got a little bit of pace, tempo, what we can play with. Somebody who's got a little bit of physical presence. We should have a template of the type of player what we're looking for. But we haven't Sorry, Benno. I'm just saying, I agree with you. Like, there's just, it has to be an identity in the player coming yeah. to the club. That even if they're not the finished product right now, they have to be able to grow with the club. Like The club are in, in League One now at the minute, so that's where the club is at. So if you buy a player who you think, you know what, young lad, he's got a little bit of experience. They tried to do it with George Dobson a little bit, but I don't see George Dobson being any better than some of the young lads that have been kind of released from the club. And I just think, yeah. why go down that route when you've already got the basis of of similar players there, but I, I agree with them. There has to be 
there has to be a way where you think we're signing this player. If we get promoted in this league, well, this player may improve again. I go, I fair, Luke O'Neill's done okay. He's come in yeah. with him and, he, and he's kind of, he's been one of Sunderland's better players over the last couple of years. And if we do get promoted, I think he's a player that will rise again because he, 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 he seems to kind of slot in in any position and he seems to kind of play play really well in most games and you know what you're going to get from them. We need more players along that ilk and maybe Correct. that's something that needs to be said. You know what, this is what we're looking at. But at the minute, you're like, you got Charlie White coming in Obviously, no disrespect to Charlie. He's he's done okay. Scored a lot of goals. Um, is he is he going to go to that next level with Sullen? I'm not too sure. Uh, Danny Graham, he's he's 25, been around the club, didn't do it here before. There's there's no proof. There's no kind of method in bringing him to the club. I don't think when we had had forwards already, like but like Will Grigg, for example. Again, he's another one we spent all that money on. That was. That was a little bit of a panic boy, but that was the inexperience of the owners and the people running the club who were out, who are who I think were our were our the depth running this club. And again, it's all about who's making the decisions and whoever is making decisions needs to kind of fix the problem because the problem is there and it's it's to me it's quite obvious. You just need to kind of there's so there's so there's so many things that just need to be to be fixed properly at the club and why it hasn't been identified so far is beyond me. You could do a better job than Danny Graham and Will Grigsleeves. Uh, well, <laughs> I probably need a few weeks training now after all this Christmas beer and pudding. <laughs> well, I think, you know, what about Asia McGeeters? He did a good job for us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, yeah. In the, um, the playoff final, he did the, the two goals. Yeah, the Jack Tree Trophy final. You know, he, he's done an excellent job. So mm-hmm. why don't we bring him back? I know he had a row with PP and that, but to get out of this league, we need good players. We can't sit in this league. You know, our squad now, yeah, it's a good squad. It can get us out of the league, but we need more, well, better players to get kind of higher positions to get out of the league. Because yeah. like us, we should be top of league one. His attitude, his attitude, though, he should know much better, Aidan McGeady. I mean, you know, you go to places like Gillingham on a Tuesday night away from home and you make all that trip, all that journey down and he's just sorting around the place, just sort of, oh, well, I'll just put, you know, a 50% in it. It's nothing, you know, and you're thinking, well, hang on, lads, this is an eight, eight, nine-hour trip down here from the northeast. Fair enough, if we get beat, we get beat, but at least put an effort in. I mean, he's supposed yeah. to be a top player. He should, he should be able to drag Sunderland up. I'm not saying we'll be a one-man team, but you know, he should he should know better. I don't know what you think, lads. Well, again, you know, from my well, from my point of view, and I, I agree with what George has said, and I, I understand where you're coming from as well, Maka. And sleeves will back me up in this as well. You know, you've been in changing rooms plenty of times where players fall out with players, players fall out with managers. It happens on a daily basis. It's how you manage them. And Aidan McGeady is, is, is one of them players. He can win you or lose you the game. Simple as that. But you know what, he, you know what you're going to do with Aidan McGeady. Now, if the right manager gets hold of him, you've got a player who, out of nothing, can win you the game. You look, he's, he's got something what, at the present moment, Sunderland haven't got at the present moment. Yeah. You know, he can make things happen. Well, I think we need um, Gus Pye back. I don't know. You know, he didn't do a good job for us in the Prem, but he, he had loads and loads of pressure on him. And a prem, the Prem is a big league. They've got massive clubs like City, United, Liverpool winning everything. But then, 
I think he'll do a good job for the League One. He's not got much pressure. Yeah, football's football. Every league is as difficult as every league, but he's not got much pressure. He's got a very good squad to work with him. I don't, yeah, George, I, I just think the new manager that comes in, we're, like, we're talking purely from, from like the force team expectations at this club at the minute. Like, Sullen in this division is the equivalent of a, of a Man City Liverpool in the Premier League. For me, every, every team look at Sullen and think, you know, we, we want to beat Sunderland. But the manager that comes in has to realise that and can't be happy to kind of go to the likes of Doncaster, no disrespect, Fleetwood and say, yeah. you know what, they're a good team. We, you have to be going to them places and be like, no, we need to win this game. We're Sunderland Football Club. And this yeah. and they have, to, they have to embrace that pressure and rise above that pressure. And I think that from a manager's point of view, the balance needs to be right to, to be going out there to being like, okay, yeah, you can say, well, this manager has done all right in this league. Like, for example, the Crowley brothers, okay, they done okay with Lincoln, which is fair play, listen, I'm not knocking them, but it's a different ball game, I think, when you're, when you're coming to Sunderland and there's that massive expectation on you where you, mm. where, where you have to win. Every, like, even in the championship, when I played for the club in the chat, I felt there was that expectation uh, in the championship, although never mind League One. So I think the manager has to embrace that. So whoever comes in has to have a little bit of experience of kind of having... That, that kind of it's it's like a good pressure like good managers embrace yeah. that pressure and think do you know what I, I enjoy this I enjoy being like kind of managing this big huge club and I enjoy fans expect me to win like and I don't know I think that that that's hugely important there's a lot of things they, they need to have to be charismatic they need to kind of be able to relate to the crowd they need to create an energy in the city that's that hasn't been seen I don't think well, I don't think since the, the back end when Sam Allardyce before he got the England job, I think it's always, it's been a real downward slope since, since that episode. And yeah. I don't know, somebody come in, like I, you could say a few names, obviously Nigel Pearson, he's been mentioned, he's done really well at Leicester. He got promoted obviously from League One, came back up, then went back to Leicester, got them from the championship. And, and Leicester's quite a big club and there would have been pressure on, on that club to get promoted from, especially from um, League One when he, when he was there with them. Obviously there's... there's um, Paul Cook, he I see he's been yeah. mentioned in the running. Managed Portsmouth when they were in in Division Two, and that that would have been huge pressure. A bit like Sunderland, like to kind of to get promoted from that division. Everybody would have been looking at Portsmouth, huge club, ex Premier League club. So he was able to embrace that pressure and, and manage to, to kind of get promoted to them. So I'm not saying that Nigel Pearson or Paul Cook should be given the job. Listen, there has to be a bit of a talk process going through and a little bit of talk going into the other things we discussed previous. But again. The manager, it's important that the manager isn't going to come in and just be happy to kind of draw a game here or there, sit back, nick a point away from home. You have to be going and winning every game, whether you're playing at the stadium or you're playing away from home. Because Sunderland, for me, should be not running away with the league, but if you're looking at that league, league one table, Sunderland should be right back in them top two places. And if they're not, whoever's in charge isn't doing, doing a good enough job. That, that's just then, my yeah. opinion on it. Well, sorry. Can I just. Can I bring Phil in just on the um, yeah. just on the just on the Aidan McGeady situation, Phil? Do you, do you anticipate anything changing on that front? I guess it'd be entirely up to your manager. Do you think? Because um, he's yeah, arguably he's still the best player at the club. Yeah, I mean he's a few he's a few weeks away from being fit. Yet I think that's the first thing at the moment. He's only had sixty minutes in one hundred twenty-three games, so I'm sure Ben and Spades will be able to tell you. You know, to be at your best, you need a you need a bit longer than that. Um, but I think you know Sunderland still do have some spaces in the squad. They didn't go right up to the limit in the squad cap. So if the new manager wants to use them, then they'll be able to. And I do think that you know management is about different personalities and bringing the best out of them. And you know whatever people's personal opinions of Avedi McGeady is, he was brilliant for Sunderland in 2018-19. 
um, and he nearly played a big part in getting him promoted. And I know there's been questions over his attitude, but at the end of the day, you know, I remember in the first season when someone was in League One and he played in the playoff final with a broken foot and he played in the semi-final with a broken foot because he wanted to try and get the club promoted. So, you know, I think there's always two sides to every story. And the big thing for me is I don't know how fit Aiden is um, because it's now he hasn't played any competitive football since July. So I think it will take him a little while and we probably shouldn't think that him coming back into the team is going to solve everything overnight. But, you know, I do think it would be, you know, when he needs to get promotion, if he's fit and if he's in form, then he's a player you've got to get the best out of because that's what managing managing it is about. It's about managing different personalities, getting the best out of them. Um, and, you know, if he is up to speed, then I don't think there's any doubt that he'd improve the team because, you know, he's got an ability that not a lot of players have at this level. Dean and Liam, can I just bring you guys in as well? What's your, what's your take on the Aidan McGeady situation? Would you like to see him come back into the first team under the new manager? He's got to be, hasn't he? I mean, at the end of the day, he's cut his nose off to spite his face, didn't he? I mean, yeah. they had an argument or whatever happened because we haven't gotten to the bottom of it really, have we? But how can you put your prize asset training with the kids? You know, you wouldn't do it a normal job, would you? Uh, They've got to bring him back. He's probably yeah. one of our best players. We need him down that wing again, don't we? Yeah, bit of magic. Well, yeah. well. <laughs> Sorry, Sleeves, I'll just bring you in. I'm just on the Aidan McGeady situation, what, um, would you like to see him back into the sun on the first team? Yeah, listen, Aidan McGeady, like, like uh, Dan's mentioned there, he's Ability-wise, nobody gets near him. On his day, he's probably got more ability than anybody else in this division. So, if you're going to get an Aidan McGeady back that's fighting for the cause and he, he's he's kind of he's with everybody in the squad, then yeah, of course. Because I'm looking at some of the players playing for Sunderland at the moment. He's he's miles ahead of them ability-wise. But again, he's got to be he's got to be he's got to be with everybody in the squad. He's got to be part of that squad. He's part of that team spirit. And listen, we don't know the full story. What happened with himself? Self and Parkinson, obviously there was there was a difference of opinions over something, and obviously Aiden has been the fall guy with that. But I, I know Aiden personally. I played with him uh, in the national setup, and then if he if he has something to say, he'll say it and that. But one thing about him is on the pitch, he, he is for all his kind of flicks and skills, he, he's a uh, he has a big heart on the pitch, and I think at times you've even seen him working hard hard for the team off the ball. But if you can get Aiden back fighting for the cause, if this if whoever comes in. I think that again, we go back to the manager. You gotta have a manager that comes in that is kind of big enough to kind of handle a player like Aidan McGeady. Because yeah. at the end of the day, like if if there's a manager there with an aura about him and somebody that comes in and says, "Listen, Aidan, you're either with me or you're not," then all that kind of nonsense, carry on argument, wherever happened doesn't happen. I think the player knows that he's the boss. And you, listen, you, you don't, Ben will agree. You don't always agree with what the manager says, yeah. but when, when you respect him and you know he's the boss, then you kind of have to kind of get on with it because ultimately he is the boss and you, he's, he's kind of the one overseeing everything. So I think a manager comes in that can handle Aidan McGeady then while he's here, well, yeah, it'd be, it'd be crazy not to use him for, for this season anyway to try and kind of get someone out of this division. Yeah. Sure is a big football club in the North East and it is one of the biggest football clubs in the North East and, you know, the only probably, club. probably one of the top, the only club, but one of the, probably the top, clubs in the country from a supporter point of view why we're talking about getting out of the first division or league one to get into getting the championship and to get beat every week to go back out of league one we should be looking for the next season and the next season and the next you know 
a one to five year plan to get the football club back in the Premiership where it belongs and then establish ourselves in the Premiership. Not that long ago when we finished seventh, two seasons running the Premiership, it's not a million miles away. And ever since all that, yeah. you know, the, the you know the Nile Quinn ownership, it's just been disaster after disaster after disaster, manager after manager after manager, and we just slowly slipped down the leagues and then we're fighting we're fighting the last three seasons. To get out of League yeah, One, well, and, and, and we shouldn't be. We should be fighting to get out of the Championship if we've had a bad season from the Premiership. We're league to win, and league to win. I think that we we need a manager or someone that will stay at the club for ages, ages and ages, and that will get us back to the Premier League. Like well, you've just said, we had um, two seasons running, coming seventh. But it's not all about the manager; it's about the fans. I've gone to so many games and the fans have just, it, they're just, they're very low. And I'm disappointed because as Sunderland, we should be roaring, even if we're getting battered. I don't care if we're getting battered 3-0 after 90 minutes, we still should have passion. We still should be screaming, come on Sunderland, come on Sunderland. If we're winning 3-0, we still do that. No matter the result, we're Sunderland. To be, to be fair, to be fair, you can't really knock the fans for that because at the away matches, especially, especially like long distances and stuff, when we are playing poor or we are getting getting battered and that, we, we are um, you know giving them our full backing for the whole the whole ninety minutes plus, you know, turn up in huge numbers um, at, at, at teams and grounds, quite frankly, which we shouldn't be playing at, but we are because of we are where we are. Um, but ultimately, my, I, what I wanted to say to you all, I wonder if, what your opinions are. Obviously, it was a while ago and the lad didn't make it at Sunderland. But obviously, Lewis Morgan made his comments known into the, into the press. And I think a lot of that was bitterness. But does he, does he have a problem? Uh, does he have a point when he says that, the, you know, in the dressing room, there's a deep-rooted sort of, you know, it's a, 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 like not, not a winning mentality, you know? And that has to be changed, ultimately. As a club in general, we need to have this willing mentality. Never say die attitude, you know. Keep going right till the end. But you, you, you sort of picked it up under Parkinson, and especially if we didn't score the first goal in games, we just didn't know when we were going to score. Carl, Carl oh. just to pull you up there, sorry, in that one, yeah, not pull you up, wrong choice of words. But no, I agree. I think the players at, at the football club, there's been a lot of players over the last couple of years that look at that. Sunderland have come in to sign them, and I think they're looking and thinking, yeah play for Sunderland in a few years. I think I've mentioned this before. I, I don't think they really, really care. Like, I don't think it really hurts them that the club hasn't hasn't been promoted out of this division. Whereas I think you need players. Like That's when you're going back to the recruitment, the hunger, the, the, the kind of have a kind of yeah. a plan of what type of player you want. They, yeah. That needs to be all sorted because there's players coming in and they're like, not and Aidan O'Brien, I look at Aidan O'Brien, listen, nothing against Aidan O'Brien, but from what I've seen so far, I'd look at him, I, I just don't see, I don't see a Sunderland player in him. I don't see a player yeah. that's thinking, you know what, I'm going to run through brick walls. I'm going to I'm going to go and score goals. I want to get out of this division. I want to do something at this football club. I don't see it in a lot of the players. And that's a big problem at the club. And I think if you look at all the previous success at the club, previous promotions, even before when I played at the club, there was lads at the squad that, listen, they would go through a wall just to kind of, to, to go, to get, get in, out of the division at the right end. And I just, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm watching the games closely and I don't quite see, I think there's players there and I don't know, maybe it's a mentality right through the club. I'm not saying the players mm -hmm. do it on purpose, but they're just like, okay, yeah, okay, another draw. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, it, it need a little bit more hunger right through the club. And again, that comes from, 
from the manager, the mindset, from the whole club in general. And at the moment, that we're miles off with that. Stephen, can I put in two seconds? My son was mascot, not this one, the big one, for someone against Leicester, right? We went in the changing rooms, and this is the attitude of some players. Anchovy, right? My son said to him, oh, are you fit? Because he'd been injured, he went, I'm here, aren't I? That was his attitude. Now, nobody spoke in that dressing room. That was when we got relegated. Nobody spoke in that dressing room. The atmosphere was shocking. I didn't really... I was proud to be in that dressing room with my son, but there wasn't a team there. And if mm -hmm. that's how the team is now, I, I can see where we are. Mm. You know, £50,000 a week or whatever he was on, to say that to a young lad is madness. Would you say there's a, there's a togetherness in the squad that you're seeing now, Gary? Obviously, you see it week in and week out. Yeah, listen, I, I, I've, I shouted out two, three weeks ago, but there was a problem. You can see it. You can, talk, you can see it amongst um, players, body language. Um, you know, we've talked about a template. What, what type of player are we going for? And Sleeves has just talk, spoke about, you know, um, what Sunderland's all about. You know, you get players who come to Sunderland, yes, a huge club, yes, no problem, but it's the other side of it, you know, the mentality side of it, dealing with the pressure, the expectations. And a lot of players who come to the football club, okay, they might have made a name somewhere else, a lot of them cannot deal with the pressure, the expectations, going out there, rolling his sleeves up, putting in 100% week in, week out. And that's all the supporters ask for. That's yeah. all they ask for, just to run about. Give okay. it all you can. And, and you, you know, and I'm just going to use, I'm going to use Leeds United as a prime example of a football club, where it's been. And one thing for sure, everybody hates Leeds. Yeah? But you know what you're going to get if you go to Leeds United. You watch Leeds United, you watch them in the Premier League at the present moment, but any time you, you play a game and you go to Leeds, not just on the field, but off the field, you know what you are going to get. Because it's a very passionate... And any player who played for Leeds, this is the Leeds way. And that's something which they've installed in them, and that's something which they've brought apart upon. And it should be the same for Sunderland. Oh, Gary, two seconds. That, Sorry. You, you know, that for, for a few years now, I've been in Division 1, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of things have been said that the crowd, they can't play in front of the crowd because it's too much and all that. You haven't had a crowd this year and they're still not in the yeah. home. That's so you totally well, that's right. The, it's the wrong type of play we've got. It's the wrong exactly, type of I'm talking about the mentality. That's what I'm talking about, a template. What type of play we're going, we're going for. You need to bring players into the club who you know mentally can deal with that pressure, can deal with going out week in, week out, Going to go, go and put in a performance. Then when you know, you look at Luke 09. You know, um, Steve just mentioned Luke 09. What you know, you put him at right back, he plays well. Put him at centre back, he plays well. Put him in midfield, he's just happy to pull that shirt on, and that's what you need. The players who pull the shirt on, who start the game, you've got to make sure that they hold on to that shirt, and to do that, you've got to make sure you put a shift in. 
that's, that's why the, uh, man the management of, uh, manager appointment is so so vital. You know, it's suddenly not a toy that can't be played around with. This is this this management management appointment. You know, could start something for years to come. This it's this is really vital that we get this right. You know, the manager has to realise as well coming in that it's not going to be all plain sailing. Sometimes you are going to struggle, but you're going to have to learn to deal with the pressure, not just not just from the, the players, but from the fans, from the press. You know, because obviously we, we do have expectations at Sunderland. We are a massive club. We are. Mm -hmm. And they're going to, you know, the manager that comes in is going to have to realise and going to have to think, right, well, I need to, I need to deal with this and not panic, but I do need to listen to what the fans say. You know, because I think that hasn't happened over the years as well. But well, then again, if you've got to ask yourself, how many, how many times is someone going to look at a manager, Tanyo, yeah. Boye, Chris, uh, Chris Sam Coleman, Allardyce. Sam Allardyce, Martin O'Neill, Jack Grayson. Ross, Simon Grayson? We're, we're, we're no further on from, nope. from, from them days. And we're still, we're still dabbling in, in, in the managerial, let's get the right manager. How many more times is, is the board, the football club going to go, I think he's the right man for the job, and, and, and he turns out to be the wrong man for the job, and we're getting we're no further on. Benno, you talk about Leeds, they've, they've got the manager, an unknown guy from, I, I can't even think of his name, Argentinian or wherever. Yeah, he's Argentinian, yeah. Un unknown in, in British yeah, football in terms, yeah. and he's coming in and he's taking Leeds into the Premiership. Quietly, mm -hmm. he's got on with his job, didn't make a fuss, and, and he's took Leeds to the Premiership, Look and, at and he's doing now. a great job. But why can't, why can't Sunderland do that? We're, we're, yeah, we're, if we had Alatois... We'd still be in the Premier League. No, we might not be, though. You never wow. know. And, and the, th the, th the thing that I look at, right, is you look, we're the same every season to try and pick somebody that's done the stuff in that league, right? You, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to throw it out there. Phillips lives here. He lives in Litchfield. Mm. He knows Leicester, Derby and Stoke. You know, he can... He, he, and he's summoned, he, he's summoned through and through, in, in my eyes. He knows the crowd. He knows the city, and I don't know. Do we gamble? Do we gamble on? I, I, was, I, was, I was I was talking. I was talking to my brother-in-law lives up lives in the northeast, and I mentioned Kevin Phillips. His, his first reaction was he's never been a manager. My <laughs> my response was Stephen Gerrard's never been a manager. Mike Lampard's never been a manager, and look what they've achieved in management. We yeah. give him a try. Just throw, we, we tried everybody else. Why not, give, why not give somebody who's got a, a passion for the football club? who achieved massively for the football club. Give him a chance to repair the football they need, club. They need to consult the like, ex-players, like people like Benno and Sleeves mm -hmm. and Borley. Pe the people that know what it means to the fans, they know, you know, they, they know what the club means to the city, to the northeast. You know, totally that's, agree, that, that, totally that's what they need, they need to, yeah, they need to approach them sort of people first. Oh, yeah, totally yeah. agree. Totally agree. And about a manager, we've had probably... Our time in the Premier League, our 10, 11 years in the Premier League, we've probably had the, the most managers in that time, but we've just, we barely, barely ever find the right manager. And to, to be fair, if we still had Peter Reid today or someone like Bob Stoko that actually did something, with, that actually did something with someone, Bob Stoko, the 1973 FA Cup final, if we still had managers like them, we'll, we'll be top flight. We'll be in the trend. We'll probably be mid-table. Like a team like Leeds. But no, because we've not had that success. This is why we're in League One. Not the Prem. 
I think George needs to stick his application in, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Prime Minister. There we go. Right, we're gonna we're gonna move on, I think, from um the modern day yeah. misery that we're all uh, accustomed to at the minute. Um I just kind of wanted to open it up to the to the fans really if they had kind of any any questions for, for Sleeves and Benno. Um kind of I don't know about their career, or any, or any little stories or anything like that that you would uh, you've always been um, dying to ask them. George, I'm going to come to you first. I bet you've got some questions, George. Yeah, so, um, um, Harry Bennett, what was the best, the best Sunderland match you've ever commentated on? And why? The best, oh, God. We've had, and why? And why? I've commentated on some great games. Um, Which one, one sticks one. out? One, I think one of them what um, stuck out for me is that when we went to Derby, um, I think it was under Roy Keane and Poom, the goalkeeper oh, yeah. scored a thumping header. That was unbelievable. Yeah, it was, it was a fantastic. That was an time as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a, a absolutely brilliant. brilliant day, and what a header! What a header that was from a goalkeeper. Love, uh, but yeah, there's been there's been fa some fantastic matches which I've co commentated on, um, and 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 credit's got to go to the supporters as well because they make it happen. You know, um, you look at you know the amount of times we, you know, we went to Blackpool last year. Yeah, <laughs> you know, fantastic support. I think it was about fourteen thousand we took down to Blackpool. You know, and uh, you know, and, and again, that's all the supporters are asking for. You know, again, you know, you just want to see a winning team. You get a winning team, you get thousands who follow you home and away. What's the best game you played in, Benno? Yeah, that's the what best I was going to ask. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I played... um, the best game I've played in. Um, I played in 443 games. Yeah. And they all were good. Are you friends with David Speed <laughs> now? I never had a bad game. Gary. <laughs> Sorry? Are you, friends... Are you friends with David Speed now? Yeah, I'm just I'm just about to write um, a Christmas card out for him. <laughs> <laughs> be nice, Benno. <laughs> uh, be nice. Uh, as I said, um, you know, again, sleeves will back me up. You know, it's a it's a fantastic feeling just to pull the red and white shirt on, and especially my time running that at Roker Park, representing Sunderland. Especially when you've got thousands of supporters behind you, it puts their hairs on your back. You know, and just to go out there and perform and, you know, to score goals like Sleeves scored goals, but to win games. It's a fantastic feeling. Sleeves, well, was Gary, you? we've lost. Yes. We've lost. Well, when, I, when I was a kid getting brought up and I was at the yeah. Gillingham match away and the Gillingham match yes. away, we could put you up for a minute to go. What's happened to that? You know what I mean? When we're in doubt, you going up front and got a few goals. But we don't seem to do that anymore, do we? Sorry, I lost you there. Lost you there. Say that again. No, please. I'm just Sorry. saying, you know, you know, I was, I was at Roker Park in the stands. I went when we yeah. got relegated. I went to Gillingham home on the way. But I'm saying, yeah. they used to chub you up front and you used to get the goals, but they don't do that now, do they? He's in the commentary box. What the hell can you get him off from from there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean they don't do it. On the pitch, got a better chance of scoring from the commentary box, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean they used to switch your yeah. position, didn't they? You say, Gary, yeah. get up front and have a go, but we've never seen that for ages, have we? No, I, again, especially obviously my time when we was playing, especially when you were losing, 
um, you know, it was always the same. I used to say, right, get one of the centre-backs to go and push up and see if he can go and win the game. Um, oh. Unfortunately, football's changed. Um, yeah. And um, Steve knows as well that, you know, players have changed. You know, their attitudes and changing rooms have changed. Um, you know, again, if you wasn't doing it, doing it on the pitch. You know, we, had, we, we used to have senior players who basically sometimes done, what the, done the manager's job for him. You know, they would, you know, pull players out to one side or pull your fingers out. You know, they would do that. Not sometimes wait till you get on the, get in the changing rooms. They will do it on the pitch. Yeah. You know, and, you know, Sleeves would have played with players who would, you know, keep Sleeves on his toes. Make sure if the ball went up, his retention of the ball is going to be good. You know, he would have people in his ear telling him that. Well, it's the same even better that I go back to when I played. Like, I, for example, when I was playing for Sutherland, like the senior pros sometimes, even say Gary Breen, for example, yeah. would say to me, Sleeves, when you're not doing enough on the weekend, he'd say to me, like, not angrily, but he'd let me know that I need to be doing more. I, yeah. I don't know whether stuff like that happens anymore, whether the society has changed the way people speak to each other in dressing rooms and, and stuff. But I always felt that helped me. You know, because, of course he, it did. It was one of them I thought, he doesn't think, like, in my head I'm thinking, I'm walking hard, but he's coming and digging me out, I'm thinking, I'm going to show him. And he would have got that little, re little reaction. And maybe that was a ploy from, like, a scene. And I tried to do that as I got a little bit older with, with younger lads in, in the squad when I played. And it's, I, I don't know whether... Again, is that happening right now in games? I'm not too sure. I'd, I'd like to think it is, but you, you just don't know, do you? Yeah, and again, you gain, you gain respect as well, you know, especially from senior pros. If they was having a quiet word with you, you know, you would take it on board. You know, you would listen to what they were saying and say, right, I'm going to prove you wrong. But I think now you say something to players, I think a lot of players take it the wrong way in regards of that you're actually having a go at them. And, um... Gary, yes, who, do you, who do you support? Who do I support? Yeah. I support, I, su I support myself because if I didn't, I'd fall over. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, I support Sunderland. I'm Sunderland through and through. Yeah. Especially when I've been at the football club that long. Yeah. So I bet if All you right. cut me, I'd be red and white inside. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And, um... Do you remember what was your best goal that you scored? My best, I've, I scored that many. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah, I, I think my best goal, I think I spoke about it before, was against Manchester United. Um, you know, them are the sort of games where I choose to look forward to, especially when the fixtures come out. You look at who, when you're going to play your Manchester United, your Manchester City, your Liverpool, Arsenal's. And, you, you know, you go to bed the night before dreaming about winning the game, but also add a little bit of spice on it where you're thinking you've gone and scored the winning goal. And yeah. that's something which actually happened to me. And it was the last minute of the game, 89th minute, and we go and win the game. 2-1, yeah, yeah. you couldn't beat him. Yeah. Sleeps, what was your best goal in the Sun and Shirt? Sleeps, from your point of view? Yeah, uh, I think I spoke to him. Probably, I'd, I'd say... I always used to like scoring. I love scoring at the stadium. I like, but I love scoring in away games because there's nothing better when you're scoring in front of all the away fans when they go mad. So <laughs> I, I probably, I probably have to say the goal when I, in uh, my fourth season at the club when we won the championship, I scored the the winning goal at Upton Park against West Ham in the last couple of minutes. And uh, yeah, it was the goal that, that kind of clinched the league title for us. So. That was a good night in London uh, after that. So now that'd probably be my my, my favourite goal for Sunderland. Because I think it was about Excellent. six or seven six or seven thousand Sunderland fans packed out in the 
in the goal. And it's one of them when it goes in in slow motion, you just see the crowd erupt. And now nah, it was a it was a kind of hair standing up on the back of your neck moment. All right. Well, then again, Stephen, we were confident you would score. We're not confident anybody will score now, are we? Mm, yeah. So, Great to be here, Dave. This is that's where we are. That's where we are as a football club at the moment, isn't it? It's like every every week, it's like, are we going to win? Are we going to score? Yeah. Can we hold on for the win? But nine times out of ten, we draw these games. Even yeah. even when Dak Ross was managing, we scored. We, we drew too many games. I know, and a lot of the time in our games, this season. We go, we we scoring the first goal, but just giving it away. Like against Doncaster, we score the first goal, they score after ninety minutes. Against Fleetwood, we score, they score, and loads of other times. Not just this season, but since we've been in League One, we're scoring, just giving our lead away. Because as a football club, we should think, all right, we've scored now. Let's go on. Let's go on to score two, three, four. It's just. If you look, our first season in League One, our first 13 games, seven wins, five draws, one loss. Um, our second season in League One, we had worse form, six wins, four draws, three losses. And this season so far, six wins, five draws, two losses. Um, two losses. Two losses. He's doing all the stats, lads. Look, we can oh, oh, Excellent. He's like, he's like Nick Barnes reborn. He's all the stats every week. Nick Barnes, the, the second. Nick Barnes, he does, he does the stats yeah, every week. Yeah. Uh, and, and another thing. Got Nick Barnes paperwork. Copyright, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's copyright, but he's there with it. And um, at the end. On our thirteenth game in the eighteen nineteen season, we were sitting there third. Then the season after, we were sitting there eighth on our thirteenth game. And now this season, we're sitting there. I think we're seventh this season. So just what's happening? What's happening to us as a club? Do you know, I expect Sunderland not like you know like, like what we've said not to be running away with the league, but to be secured. First, second place. Like our first season, we had to we had to battle it out through playoffs, which it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, that's like George. So even mentioning that there, like the draws and all, that's another thing that I think is a mindset that the manager sends to his players on the pitch. Like it's one of them. Sometimes, oh, we got another draw, we're undefeated. That that really bugged me because I'm thinking. So what? You, you draw, you draw ten games, you get ten points. You lose five of them, win five, and that's fifteen points. I'd rather lose five, and then it creates that kind of pause and atmosphere of a win. Like there's no, it's no coincidence. Going back to even when I played on the Mick, we got a lot of late winners, and then obviously when Roy Kane, I felt like we were scoring late winners every other week. That was because there was a mentality in the team to keep going for win games, not to just settle for a draw. And that, and we're talking about teams when we're playing in the Championship and the Premier League. We're playing in the tour tier. And to me, previous managers in the last couple of seasons have been happy to draw games against teams that shouldn't be on the same park or something. And that's the whole mentality of the club. Going back to what we spoke already, that needs to change. And until that changes, I think we're going to find ourselves discussing more and more uh, dour results and dour kind of games like we have been for the past couple of years. Can I ask a couple of questions? Sorry. Um, I just, I've got a question for Gary and a question for Steve, uh, for Sleeves. And, and the one to Gary is, Gary, obviously it's really, it's hard at the moment because obviously there's no fans at games and, you know, you do an absolutely fantastic descriptive commentary, as I've said many times. Um, but what, 
how hard is it to turn a positive slant on things because you know that you have a responsibility to the football club as well. So you have to try and, and make out and try and be as positive as it can be, but you have a you have that balance where you can't dress it up. So how hard has it been to like to, to take that positive spin on things, Gary? Um Yes, like you've just mentioned there, um, I've got a responsibility to the football club, but I've also got a responsibility to the, to the supporters and listeners um, who's listening into the game. Um, and I'm a straightforward talking person. I give my opinion. And, and, and football's all, all, all about opinions. You know, we all see the game differently. And I try to put my spin on it. And I see things and, you know... If you're not happy, if they're not happy with what I say, then fair enough, you pull me to one side, we'll have a chat, you know, and and that's it. But I try to put my spin on it. I see players, you know, Steve's the same. He, he can tell from players, he can tell from games how they actually panning out, how they actually look, how they actually feel, you know. And again, sometimes you can say there's no tempo, there's no creativity, it doesn't look as though you're going to score. You're not being negative. You're trying to be truthful. Now, yeah. if you can't take the truth in what I'm saying, then what do you want me to do? Do you want me to lie? No, oh, I get that. And my question to Sleeves is, we all know about your good ones, Sleeves, but have you got any bad um, Edinburgh Derby memories? Or memories for playing for hearts, like bad memories? Bad memories. Um, I'll be honest with you. As a Hearts player playing in the Edinburgh Derby, I think I played in eight or nine derbies, and I think I only drew one and won the rest of them. So, and and the, the, <laughs> and, and the game we drew, I scored a last-minute equaliser. So I'd have to say, uh, now they're all good memories from a Hearts point of view. From my time up there, we were definitely kind of the better team. But obviously, Hibs are in the Premier League now at the moment, and and Hearts are back down in the Championship. So it's 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 not great. And obviously, we came out again on top. A few weeks ago, in another big game at Hamden, which seems to be very lucky, stage. very lucky. It was, but again, <laughs> it's that mentality that we've been talking about, isn't it? Sleeves, <laughs> sleeves. We were talking about obviously team spirit and things a few minutes ago. What um, did you used to have like Christmas parties and stuff during your time at uh, Sunderland? And what time uh, I think we had every every Tuesday night we had a party. <laughs> 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 no, I think now yeah we used to we used to socialise quite a lot. I think. Um, during my time at Sunderland, there was, again, when you go back to the squad of players that was there, we were all a similar age. You see, there was a few senior lads as well. There was, there was from my point of view, there was a lot of Irish lads there as well, which I, I enjoyed, likes myself. Uh, Lee Miller, Daryl Morphy, um, Graham Cavanaugh was there. A couple of, couple of Scottish lads, Welsh lads as well that we all got on. But even, even there, was a, there was a great kind of team spirit there. Even when Roy brought in kind of some of the other lads, they kind of all bought into the football club, the likes of, Dwight York and and uh, Carlos Edwards, the, the lads from kind of from Trinidad. It was it was a, it was a good time to be at the club. And ultimately, all the lads that I mentioned there all wanted to better themselves. They all they all recognised that playing for Sunderland was was a really kind of I don't know it was something to be proud of. And they, they wanted to give their all on the pitch. And again, I think I think it was one of them. You just you, you socialise together. You kind of you're in the dressing room. I know you you train on the pitch. But, <coughs> You enjoyed being at the club. Like you, you, you went to train and you weren't. It wasn't one of them where oh, I need to rush off back home because I've got to jump on a motorway and, and drive home, or uh, I need to rush off there because I've. It was one of them where you enjoyed being at the club. You finished training, you went and you ate food with the lads, and it was it was a great team spirit. And it's I think when Ben will agree, I'm sure when when that's there in a squad, 
it's very it's it's a lot easier to get that success on the pitch than when it's not there. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with um, Steve's there, and, and again, it's very, very important. You know, team spirit. Um, you know, if you've got a good team spirit, good changing rooms, you know, you take that onto the pitch, and everybody looks after each other um, on the pitch as well. You know, as as a team, as a group, and you know, I, I was having this conversation um, today, in fact, regarding teams. You know, especially when things were going wrong. You know what we used to do? We used to say, right, we used to meet up. We said, we go out, go and get something to eat. And then you had a few beers. And then when they had a few beers, you know when drinks in? Yeah. Wits out, wits out. And then you had one or two players who wanted to get one or two, shall we say, issues off the chest. Which, is, which have been there for the last two years, <laughs> especially when somebody hasn't sort of, sort of pulled the ball back to the penalty spot for somebody to score. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, we, that was sort of what we call team building, you know, and it, and it was fantastic. It really, really works. Think or swim, Ben, or winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, if you can tell some stories about them team building <laughs> sessions, it's been fantastic, I tell you. Go on then, Ben, we've got all no, no. <laughs> and um, going back to draws. Yes. Um, it, that when we were in the Premier League, the oh, massive God. club, well, we still are now, but that when we were in the Premier League, we'll be partying, drawing with teams like Liverpool, Man City, Man United. But now, we're sad about drawing with Bristol, which, you know, is right, because a team like us, we shouldn't be drawing with teams like Bristol. Don't gas the Fleetwoods. We should be. We should be. Seeing, not even playing them. We're well, not even playing them, but just sealing the games off. Going one nil, two, three, four. I don't care if we take the odd draw, but it's now every. It's week in. It's, we're drawing way too many games for a club like us. You know, look at Ipswich. You know, they're nowhere near as big as Sunderland, but second in the league. Yeah. Did you have a Liam? Were you going to come in with a question? No, Gary? I was just I'm going to ask Gary a question. Yes, yeah, Liam. Um, do you know on Safsi when you always go like, no, 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 no? <laughs> <laughs> go on, yeah, yeah. Why do you do it? You just keep going <laughs> on. And on. Yeah, the reason why I do it because sometimes I can see things which is happening before it actually happens, and I'm saying no, 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 no. <laughs> And, and they still go ahead. They still go ahead and do it. Yeah. So sometimes you see something. He does like, see it. There's going to be a goalie. Your carries went. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. You know. So you know. And, and and again, you know, Stephen backs me up as well when he's seeing games as well. Sometimes it's like deja vu. You you've got a feeling. You know, you've got that feeling that you know we we're going to concede. Or you've got that feeling that you're going to give the ball away. You know, if you don't do something about that situation, we're going to lose the game. You know, it's just like... thing as well, probably, Ben, where you're watching, you've seen these mistakes so often in the last while, you're thinking, oh, here we go again, isn't it? You know, and, and again, you, sometimes you don't want to be critical to the players. Um, and you're seeing things and you're thinking, was I, did I play that poorly as well when, when I was playing? 
because you see things and you're thinking, go on, it's just a, a simple pass maybe, or you've got to hit the target or cross the ball or defend or stop the cross coming in or whatever it is. And you're thinking, you can see it. And you're thinking, they're not, on the pitch, the players don't see it. They can't feel it. Can I just say, can I just say, if you don't mind, guys, I just want to say that I feel that it, it obviously hasn't been said yet, but I feel like we'll have to give um, Benno and, and Sleeves a lot of credit for obviously taking out time uh, to speak to all of us. Oh, um, because I, I, I can maybe think of a handful of in the squad at the moment that probably would do that. And to speak so candidly and honestly, the way the two lads have spoken, um, deserve, you know, deserves a, a total... Uh, a lot of credit, even yeah. though sleeves did play for Hearts, but yeah, they do. They deserve a lot of credit. Sorry, just following, just following on what Mac has just said. Um, you know, I think, you know, years and years ago, and it's still going on a little bit now that you used to get players, former players, ex-players going out, doing talkings or coming on now, now Zoom or talking to the supporters. I think sometimes now it's very, very difficult to get players to come out and do that. Mm. Just, to sort of round, just to sort of round things off then, guys, obviously just with like Christmas and the New Year on the way, um, just wanted to kind of go around, around the panel and, and what would your one wish be for 2021 for, for Sunderland moving forward? Mark, you want me to, get up, shall I go first? Oh, I'm going to I'm going to go to McDonald's first, Benner, because he's, oh. he's sat there patiently. Got Mark again. He always Mark. gets in before me, Mark. I know. I'll kick the, that's usually in the queue for the pies, though, Benner, isn't it? Rather than uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, we've got a few. We've got a few more journeys coming up, Mark. Don't worry. Ah, uh, we do, mate. We do. Um, I think my wish for for 2021 for Sunderland would be just for them to really find that structure, that long-term plan that I think everyone hoped. Hopefully we would have a couple of years ago when the new owners come in and, you know, we've spoken a lot about kind of short-termism in terms of recruitment and things. And I think there's a lot of that at the club at the moment. So my one wish for 2021 is for, for us to have a little bit of a longer-term vision, a little bit of a, a plan of action to, to not just get out of League One, but to look ahead and, and get Sunderland back to where I'm sure everyone on this call thinks they belong. Ben, I've got you next. Um, the Euros is on tomorrow. I think it's 158 million. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, for me, for me, I, you know, my 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 one wish is like for togetherness. Um, you know, getting the supporters, getting the right people in place, the owners, getting the right manager in place, and getting the foundations laid. You know, it's not gonna, it's not something's not gonna happen overnight. You know, it's gonna be. Uh, a four or five year plan, you know, where we need to, to to get back to. So, you know, for me, it's just getting everything together, getting this, what I call a template together, the right type of players to come into this football club, the right manager to come into this football club, and just to pick it up because it's flat on its feet at the present moment. Uh, Slaves, what would your son and wish be for next year? Yeah, just to add on a little bit from what, what the lads have said already, I want to be be going up to the stadium alive with feeling that kind of buzz around the place again. You know, when you go to the game and you know there's a game on, there's everybody's happy, smiling, looking forward to the game. And then come the end of the game, whether you win the game, obviously you want to win the game, but if you've lost the game, it's not one of them where the team are rubbish again. You're losing the game where you're right banging and right up to the end. Everybody's cheering and, and kind of getting behind the team because they know there's a way that's being played and, and everybody's just giving their all for the team. And I just want that kind of energy and an electric feeling back inside the stadium alive because I, 
I haven't, I can't remember the last time I, I actually experienced that when I, when I went back to the stage in my life. Carl, what would your wish be? Sorry? Carl, what would your wish for something be? Uh, um, sorry about that, you just you cut out, that was all. Um, someone to come into the, to the club and just stop the club from um, the, the slide and demise that, it's on, that we're on now. Um, just to give us a bit of passion, a bit of something to look forward to. Especially with these difficult times and obviously not being able to go to matches and not being able to go to away games and take over towns and cities all over the UK with our fantastic fan base. Um, and that's why I look forward to Gary and Nick's commentary because obviously it's the second best thing to get into games for me. So um, I just want somebody that will come in and just, like you say, give us a vision, give us a, a clear sort of understanding of what they want to achieve. Have that relationship between themselves and the supporters. Good stuff, Dean, Liam. Well, well, like a good manager, and then that make that can make Gary Burnett stop saying no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Hey, cheers, Liam. Thank you. He does that just in case he doesn't have a job in commentary. No, I was getting a job in the Britain with Nibley. No, 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 no. Yes, we scored. Not very often. I'll have to stop that, Liam. Okay. <laughs> no, for me, it's, uh, you know, let's get back on the right track. I would, and I would love Niall Quinn to come out and tell us what's wrong because he knows, doesn't he? But then again, that's up to him. <laughs> he, he knows what's fundamentally wrong with that club. Yeah. You know, so, but that's that's my wish. Good stuff, and George, George and Paul, finally. Um, you first. I just wish that we get back to where we should be in the championship, and hopefully, you know, build from that and get to the prem. And I just hope that we get a good manager that will actually, you know, that will get us somewhere. You know, no disrespect to Jack Ross and Phil Parkinson, they did a good job. But it, it, we, we could have a manager that could do a totally better job that could get us stop at the league, second in the league, automatic promotion. Um, so yeah, that's what I wish for. And Dad? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like everything in life, you know, you know, short term, medium term, long term plan. I think that's what Sunderland Football Club need now. Short term, get the championship, consolidate. You know, and then move on for the Prem, and, and that's what we need to do. We're a Premiership football club. We need we're not a Premiership team at the moment. Definitely a Premiership football club. We need to be there. So that's that, that's same as what Ben Owen and Mark and and Sam have said. So yeah, that's where we should be. Good stuff. Excellent. Thank you very much, all. Thanks, all. I've just got time. Rich. Before we go, there's just something I just want George. It's just he's uh, he's, he's learning the piano at the moment, and he has been for a couple of years. So it's got something for the fans. So it's it's whether you know this one or not. Hey, this Hold on a minute. No pressure, George. It'd be good oh. to end the podcast on, George. Come on. Brings an end to this uh, special raw podcast brought to you by the Sun and Echo SFC team. Thanks very much to Sunland legends Gary Bennett and Stephen Elliott for their time, and also the Sunland fans who joined us for the podcast as well. Dean and Liam, Carl and George and Paul too. Thanks for all your questions and comments. Um, this has uh, been Richard Munir from the Sun and Echo team. We were joined by Phil Smith and Mark Donnelly, and um, 
as I say, this is our special Raw Christmas podcast. So thank you all for listening. And um, head to the Sun and Echo website for the latest on all the manager and takeover news. Plus, if you um, appreciate what we do and you're a, you're a fan of it, then if you could consider a subscription to the Echo site, that'd be great as well. There is a 30% discount on it until December the 4th. So uh, still plenty of time to get involved in that. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week with the next edition of The Raw.